I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi guys, this is Karun Chando coming to you from the Frankfurt Airport Lounge, Glamorous World. Um, on my way back from the Chinese Grand Prix. So it's been a, a heck of a race. I, I really, really enjoyed the Chinese Grand Prix. It was a, a real indication to us after Melbourne that it wasn't a flash of the pan. This really is going to be a world championship that goes all the way down to the wire between Ferrari and Mercedes. Um, let's take a step back. It was all a, a bit disrupted, to be honest, with the weekend. Uh, we arrived there on Friday at the circuit and it was so cloudy and overcast and we got basically no running you know we had 10-15 minutes of running in free practice one and then eventually it got going um, uh, well sorry it didn't get going we had 10-15 minutes and that was it for the rest of the day and FP2 was obviously cancelled and as a driver that's you know it's quite disruptive because you arrive there with a plan of various things you're going to test especially at this early stage of the season. You know, you've done a race, you've got a load of ideas in terms of what you feel in the car, in terms of setup, uh, and what you want to evaluate with your engineers, and suddenly you can't test it. And that, that really does throw a span in the works. China also, a totally different circuit layout. You know, you've got long radius corners where you're really loading, particularly the front left tire. Um, so, yeah, that, that would have been really tough for the drivers, but in, on the flip side, it's the same for everybody. So there's no real advantage or disadvantage gained by, by anyone, I think, in those circumstances. Um, on to Saturday, and we had dry weather. I mean, the reasons behind Cancelling Friday is a whole other subject, which I'm sure someone else will, will cover. But really, it didn't paint Formula 1 in a great light. That's the only thing I'll say. You know, we, we should have contingency plans in place. Obviously, they had a plan in place for Sunday. But really, we ought to be having plans in place all through the weekend because there's you know, millions of people around the world who are actually hardcore fans who tune in even to watch free practice. There are plenty of people we met who had flown in from Australia, from the UK, from other parts of Europe, all the way to China to watch a three-day Grand Prix. And it's cost them a lot of money to come out there and to not see any cars. Um, you know, when really we should have had a plan, especially when the Porsche Super Cup started 10 minutes after FP2, it all looked a little bit ridiculous anyway on to saturday and it was it was a really really good qualifying session i mean fp3 was great and then um you had the prospect of mercedes and ferrari being so close to qualifying particularly lewis versus the two ferraris and it improved to be um in quality you know i think that's where a top quality driver like a lewis or a sebastian vettel they earn their number one status in in these weekends you know they they really took a leap of faith and went out there. Um, and, uh, you know, they were ahead of their teammates uh, by, by some margin in qualifying. Uh, and then, you know, come the Grand Prix, it was uh, it was interesting. I mean, we the forecast was for rain all the way through. But then I, I went to the grid and I was standing at the front of, of the grid just before the, the National Anthem lineup. 
and Carlos Sainz arrived and, and I know Carlos quite well and uh, so we started chatting and I said oh you're here early and he said yeah there's I've decided I want to go to Slicks I've, I've made the decision but nobody else wants to in my team wants to do it and they all think I'm a bit mad and he just legged it basically <laughs> came to the front um, to, to get away from it and uh, it was a very very brave move it worked out well for him in the end because he started P11 and got to 7th but it was a very bold choice uh, he said to me look I know I'm going to be last on lap 1 but I think I'll be in the top 6 by lap 10 sure enough he was 6th by lap 8 I think it was um, when the race restarted so it worked out I do think he was a little bit lucky because of the safety car if there wasn't a safety car for Giovinazzi's accident he he wouldn't necessarily have gained as much he would have you know lost a lot more in those opening laps so um yeah he rolled the dice it worked out well for him and from there on i thought he he was uh, one of the drives of the day or one of the drivers of the day i should say um great great performance fantastic result for him and toro so um max verstappen what can we say about him i mean Start 16th, and it was just incredible. You know, what the way he's able to find grip, and he's got this incredible feel to go and find grip at parts of the circuit which other people aren't seemingly able to exploit. And it's just, you know, the confidence that he's got, young, fearless, whatever. But he's not leery, he's not out of control. He's, you know, very calculated. If you look at the moves that he makes, it's extremely well calculated. And um, that opening phase of the Grand Prix was just incredible. And, you know, he passed Daniel in a, in a straight fight. And Daniel is a top-notch racing driver. Um, you know, he in that first part of the Grand Prix, Max was the man. You know, he, he got past Daniel. He was hunting. He was actually quicker than anybody else. Um, and eventually, as the race went on, we saw Daniel come back at him and Max struggle in the second stint. So... Uh, or the final stint, I should say, uh, and Daniel came at him. So really, if you look at it across the Grand Prix distance, um, from, let's say, lap 7, there wasn't much to choose from between the two Red Bull drivers. But to go from 16th to 4th in those first you know, half a dozen laps was just amazing stuff from Max Verstappen. Um, absolutely the driver of the day uh, in my books. Vettel's race... Um, for me, it's a story of what could have been. You know, unfortunately, he, he when he pitted under the virtual safety car, it looked like the right decision. And I thought, I looked at the pit lane and thought, oh, this is going to work out for him. And absolutely ironically, the third driver from Ferrari, Antonio Giovinazzi, caused that safety car, which allowed effectively the Red Bulls, Kimi and Bottas to get ahead, although Bottas ended up spinning under the safety car. Um, all of them to get ahead of Seb, and that that really compromises race. But you know, if you contrast Seb with uh, Kimi, you know he was in a situation where he thought, "I'm going to get on with it. I'm not going to sit back." And you know, he sat in the train behind Daniel and Kimi, and and Kimi had a couple of looks at Daniel, but never really looked like he was doing anything innovative to get past. And I thought Seb was really thinking ahead. You know, in the cockpit, uh, if you looked at the way he set up the moves at turn one and two, he would go much wider, use a wider line than the guy on the inside uh, to generate the downforce. You want the airflow flowing cleanly onto your car. And he would use completely sort of unconventional different lines to first Kimi and then Daniel and set them up for the move into turn six. You know, the move at turn six was a result of everything that he did at turns one and two. Um, 
and then following on from there. So, um, you know, that, that to me, you know, Kimmy, Kimmy was behind Daniel for a long time. Seb got past Daniel, uh, got past Kimmy, and within a lap and a half or two laps, he'd passed Daniel as well, and, and, and then he was away. If you look at the gap at that point, he was 13 seconds behind Lewis, six seconds at the end, and, um, okay, they're all doing tyre saving and, and engine mode saving in different phases, but if we look at the fastest laps in the Grand Prix, you know, Seb and, Kim, uh, Seb and Lewis, clearly the A-listers in their team, clearly um, establishing themselves as, as the world championship favourites. You know, they did 35-3, 35-4 as their fastest laps. Um, you know, Valtteri half a second down, Kimi half a second down, the Red Bulls further away. Uh, you know, clearly these two guys, I thought this weekend, laid down a marker that this world championship is, is going to be about them. Unless Valtteri and Kimi can really get it together, um, you know, and, and it's in their hands. You know, they've got the tools there. Um, and, and really, I'd be interested to see how much they could raise their game. Or, you know, will we start to see things like team orders start to come into play in the second half of the season? But it's great for Formula One to have two separate teams fighting it out. The other drivers out there, I thought um, uh, Hulkenberg did an outstanding job in qualifying. Didn't work out in the race for him, various penalties, uh, things like that. Uh, Williams had a really difficult race. Massa just went backwards, obviously Stroll out on lap one. And I thought Stroll did a good job in qualifying. You know, under pressure as a driver, you're coming in your second ever Formula One Grand Prix. Um, he's had a tough race in Melbourne. And he did a good job in qualifying to get into Q3 and get in the top 10. I thought um, was a good effort. And... Uh, hopefully he can he can build on that uh, for his sake. Um, you know Perez did a good job as well. I think the the hardest one is going to be Giovinazzi because he was on such a high after Melbourne, but mentally and psychologically now he had two big accidents with a lot of damage, and and that would completely have deflated his confidence. And and now if they get Verline back in the car in Bahrain, you know Giovinazzi is going to have weeks and maybe even months to uh, you know have his last memories of formula one to be twice in the barrier so you know that's going to be tough for him psychologically three only three days off and then everyone reconvenes in in bahrain i'm gonna have three days at home uh, sorting out a few bits and pieces and um we'll join you guys in bahrain it should be a cracking weekend because to me bahrain is the first normal circuit that we have if you you know australia is a street circuit China, a bit unconventional with these long corners, as I said, long tightening corners, which you don't have anywhere else on the world, apart from Paul Ricard, which we're going to next year. Um, so Bahrain, to me, is the first true test of where everybody's at. And uh, the track temperature should be completely different. It was freezing in China. It was like 10 degrees, I think, on Sunday. It was absolutely freezing. Uh, Bahrain, yesterday, I saw the weather it was like 40 degrees track temp so um it'll be really interesting to see where everybody is anyway see you in a week's time hi i'm freddie spencer reporting after the 2017 argentina grand prix what an interesting weekend it was a lot of twists and turns to the drama, for sure. Let's talk about the racetrack. The racetrack is definitely bumpier than it was a few years ago. If you look at the lap times, they're almost two seconds slower as far as qualifying.
That comes down to track conditions. I think the track is definitely bumpier, and that's affecting them. I think it's also the fact that the Bridgestone tires were maybe a little faster, a little less difficult for the riders to push to that edge, maybe a little more forgiving in many ways. And certainly the single ECU has affected the rider's ability to where it specifically can adjust it for their bike. For sure the Hondas have been affected by that, I think, the most. Talking about the Hondas, Mark Marquez and Danny Petrosa, what a really difficult and terrible weekend it was for them. Let's talk about Mark first. Mark, who goes out and he's, he's feeling the pressure, I think, of, of Maverick Rinaldi's and the consistency that Maverick has shown on the Yamaha, winning the first race, going into this race. I think Mark felt that he needed to win, and he made a mistake. And it comes down to certainly the front tire issues, having to run that harder front tire on the Honda. But I think it's more than that. I think it comes down to him feeling a little bit of pressure, and none of us are immune to that, no matter what level the rider is. That certainly can happen. And now it's going to be interesting to see, going into a track like Texas, Austin, where he is dominated, if, if he's going to be able to rise up, get out there, and of course he needs to win. But I think at least he certainly needs to finish close to Maverick and not let Maverick get too far ahead. Danny Petrosa, it's just unfortunate for Danny that he had that crash. Same corner as, as Mark, of course. And then, but Cal Crutchlow, who represented Honda well, uh, he kind of worked around it, kept his head, didn't make any, any mistakes, and, and was running second there until the very end. Jorge Lorenzo is certainly almost beyond disappointing for him. Um, his crash so early in the race and that mistake comes from partially being so far back in qualifying. I think it's, if you look at the situation Ducati is in, when you look at the 2015 and 2016 bikes and how well they're performing, and even Petrucci this weekend on the 2017 was running quicker uh, and more consistently better than Dovey and certainly Jorge on the same motorcycle. So I don't know what's going on there. We'll have to kind of see what, what happens as the season goes on. But Ducati is definitely struggling with that bike, but the older bikes seem to be doing okay. Um, you know, the satellite teams. And of course, the Yamaha squad. Uh, really a great run for them. I think it shows, one, if you look at Zarco and Folger on the Tech 3 bikes, uh, they've, in the first two races, have done a great job on a bike that, that um, is a year old. But I think it kind of shows where the level of performance and improvement on these newer bikes, the 2017 Yamaha, except of course for Vinales, the 2016 seems to be doing as, as good or maybe even better. And uh, it's great to see those rookies doing, doing uh, such a good job. But Vinales and Rossi, of course, at the top of the list. Um, Vinales, what can you say? Uh, each week, he just seems to get stronger and stronger. And what's really impressive, as I've said before, is just the way that he manages the race. Um, two different ways that he won the first two races. Uh, the first, first one just was patient and kind of let the race come to him. He did the same thing in the second one. Um, you could see he was in second and just kind of pushing Mark along. Mark made the mistake and then he took over and, 
and he just maintains. And it seems so easy for him, which is what happens when you just got that clear thinking and, and on top of your game. And he seems so comfortable with the Yamal. And then, of course, Valentino Rossi, um, who saved the best performance for Sunday afternoon as he, um, as he normally does. And, um, you know, just kind of put some pressure on, on Cal there. Waited his, his chance and, and made, the, made the pass for second place. What's going to be interesting is, some of y'all probably already know this, but Michelin was talking about bringing a fourth tire. And the only thing um, they didn't get a chance to run on Saturday, which was going to be a little harder construction front and with, with uh, the new profile. And that's going to be interesting to see because um, the requirement and we'll have to see what happens with this. But they norm, they're only supposed to have three fronts and three rears uh, for a race weekend and not four. There was some talk about that. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. We'll have to see what happens when they get to Texas and, and see how that gets worked out. But that new construction front that they've made an adjustment, I think for sure that, that was kind of brought along because Valentino was struggling. But some of the other riders after Qatar talked about um, the front being a little bit too soft for them too. So a little stiff construction front. We'll see if that kind of brings the Hondas back into the fold a little bit, helps Valentino in his struggles, and um, we'll see how it affects the field. But it should be interesting as we go forward here and we go to the third race, see if Mark can get up there and bring that battle to Vinales like everybody's waiting to see. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you are too. We'll see you next time. 